This is Lab Medicine Rounds, a curated podcast for physicians, laboratory professionals, and students. I'm your host, Justin Kreuter, the Bowtie Bandit of Blood, a transfusion medicine pathologist at Mayo Clinic. Today, my guest is Dr. Alan Dietz, and we'll be talking about cellular therapy and how it's responding to the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Dietz is an associate professor of laboratory medicine and pathology, uh, instructor in biochemistry and molecular biology, and a consultant in the division of transfusion medicine at Mayo Clinic. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Dietz. Thanks for having me, Justin. Let's kick off and talk about, you know, a lot of COVID medical conversations so far have really kind of centered on convalescent plasma and now more recently vaccines. How is cellular therapy contributing to the COVID uh, effort? There's been a lot of activity, perhaps under the radar, but pretty intense activity associated with cell therapy and cell therapy interventions for COVID. Uh, most of that has been built on the back of um, some understanding that's really taken place over the last 10 years of the power of cell therapy to treat very difficult diseases. The one that comes to mind is a type of cell therapy called CAR-T, which has been focused on the use of activated T cells in B cell leukemias. Uh, the reason that has gotten a lot of effort and, and woken up, I think woke up a lot of people about the power of cell therapies is its profound efficacy. It actually has taken a, a disease which was life-threatening and made it generally manageable with giving very good outcomes for patients. That experience has led to, I think, a lot of intense investigations into other types of cell therapies that look at perhaps the other side of the coin, which is how do we suppress immune responses when they get out of control? One of the cell types that has been associated or, or, or investigated for that is a cell type called a mesenchymal stem cell. And a mesenchymal stem cell has a pretty profound anti-inflammatory component to it. Uh, to that end, there's nine clinical trials going on now in the US um, that are investigating different versions of mesenchymal stem cells plus different dosage and different ranges of the time in COVID patients. Two of those investigations have already led to some publications, one of which uh, was a case control study. They used 31 controls, patients who had suffered with severe COVID and who'd been on ECMO. So these are very advanced, very sick patients compared to nine patients who'd been treated. Of the 31 control subjects, over half had died by the time they'd finished studying. But in those treated with the stem cells, only two had. Now that's a case control study, so we have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt, but there's also been a randomized placebo-controlled study that was published in uh, stem cells and translational medicine, I think just within the last month or so. And that's a 24-patient and double-blinded randomized study. Um, and in that case of the notes here, I think one patient had died during the course of the study where six in the placebo-controlled patients had and the time to recovery at 30 days, nine of the patients with treated had recovered, where only four of the 12 who hadn't been treated did. So the early data comes back that these are actually having some very good and measurable outcomes in patients who are extremely sick. That's really important. And I think for our listeners, uh, we're going to uh, reference these articles that Dr. Dietz is sharing with us in the notes for this uh, podcast. I think it's maybe helpful for us to appreciate as I'm listening to you talk, Dr. Dietz, that 
you know, a, a lot of what I'm hearing in therapeutics or, uh, for COVID is we're talking about modulating the immune system. And that's what I hear you saying, cellular therapy. This is really the niche that holds a lot of promise uh, for this. I want to just hit pause, though. And uh, if we could take a little bit of a deeper dive into maybe a little bit of the scientific basis background to understand the scientific basis for this, you know, for example, you, you brought up the word, you know, it's a mesenchymal stem cell, and we have a diversity of listeners to the podcast, uh, physicians, laboratorians, but also students. And could you kind of give us um, a little bit of an introduction to uh, what's so important about this cell or, or where it comes from? Yeah. So not so much is known. Let's start with that. <laughs> Let's start with what we don't know, which is a lot. We don't know most of how it actually works. What we do know is that it's a cell type that's found uh, virtually everywhere in your body. It tends to be associated with the vascular system. Uh, it has had a couple of different names based on its discovery and who discovered it when. So at one time it was termed a pericyte, which means it was basically attached to the outer edge of the arterioles. Um, it typically is found in fat. The purpose of the cell, we believe, is a primary initiator of wound repair. So when you have or when you suffer a significant wound, a bone break, a, a deep thigh, muscle bruise, something, what happens is the shattering of those vessels in or around that tissue that's been damaged somehow guides or leads to this response of these cells migrating into that tissue where they proliferate into that space. And then they do a couple of things that are simultaneous, but independent. They can stimulate new vascular growth. They can also initiate response or re growth from primary cells. Most importantly, they can mount an anti-inflammatory response so that your body doesn't suddenly react against these part of the tissue that's been damaged. People are exploiting this cell type for a number of these different purposes and different clinical indications. But that anti-inflammatory potential, I think, is what makes it particularly interesting for these COVID patients. However, it may be both. Patients who are significantly and severely affected by COVID, the bodies went beyond mounting an immune response against the virus alone, but it's starting to damage its own tissues. So you're starting to see lung damage, which is why patients need to be intubated. You're starting to see damaged cardiac damage, uh, damage of endothelial cells basically throughout the body. The mechanism of action and why I led with we don't know is we're still trying to see, we, we don't know what might be the most important. Are they acting as an anti-inflammatory molecule and then that allows the body to repair itself? Or are they actually repairing the body and then that allows the inflammatory response to subside? Or are they doing both? We don't really know. The advantage of using these relatively undifferentiated cells though, is that they seem to know what they're doing, right? So you put them in and they seem to have a way of getting to the affected environment and mounting the appropriate response. laboratory education, including a listing of live conferences, webinars, and on-demand content, visit news.mayocliniclabs.com forward slash education. That kind of maybe brings 
me to a point I've been wanting to kind of address with our, for our listeners is to get an appreciation for what's really involved. You know, you and I talking about cellular therapy, you direct a cellular therapy lab, uh, probably most of our physicians that are listening and also probably laboratorians do not have access or work in this area. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of a flavor on what sort of work is involved? What is the work that you and your lab are doing for patient care? So we're still required as, if you wanna use cells as drugs, we are still required by the FDA to meet all the requirements of drug manufacturing. So that means we have to have very good control over all of our procedures and processes we have in place. We have to understand where our starting materials come from We have to be able to qualify all our starting materials as being allowable for drug manufacturing. So we have the typical requirement of any drug manufacturer, but on top of that, we have the fact that these are living drugs. So they can't be bottled and stored for years on end. They can't be necessarily terminally sterilized because if you, you know, if you autoclave them, you kill them. So we we have to have, we have other certain requirements by the nature of the fact that we're using living living tissue that we have to meet that makes our job particularly more difficult. It also tends to go hand in hand with our clinical colleagues because we tend to both, we start with living tissue and we end with living tissue. And both of those also intersect with our clinical colleagues. It's a very team-based approach towards therapies that requires uh, clinical understanding, a, a drug manufacturing pool, and then backward uh, delivery through the clinical pipeline to make it work. Those unique criteria really uh, have limited the cell therapy uh, commercialization concept because there are no big pharma cell therapy companies. Most of the work, not all of it, but most of the work is actually being developed in major medical centers. So. I think we've done a good job here at being able to kind of help lead some of the cell therapy in the country. And I think the reason it's been successful here is both our early involvement in the, in the field, as well as our very strong team-based approach towards doing it. Yeah, I, as I hear you talk, you know, I, as a transfusion medicine doc, this struggle about having something that uh, is really so individualized, and I, I'm sure a lot of people are interested in, in individualized medicine and, and the promise that that holds. It seems like it's so individualized. Everything is kind of this in of one. And yet, you know, you have to work inside this regulatory framework. I imagine there's some unique struggles that come up with how do you regulate this sort of in of one that's happening. I know that you've had success in some other diseases, um, breakthroughs and are once you figure out a successful uh, cellular therapy, is there then opportunity for that to get brought to scale uh, oh. for a given patient population? Or is cellular therapy really uh, needs to exist as a, a very individualized treatment? So I think both, actually. I think it has some of its best potential is the fact that it will be individualized. I think cell therapy requires a, a substantial amount of new thinking. You know, one thought is that uh, the medical center itself can provide the drug for you. The second one is that it may be best that you get your own as opposed to getting it from somewhere else. 
maybe that we are now not putting our hopes on the, the power of single chemicals through the classical drugs, but we're putting our hope on the system, the cell, the, we are a, a body made up of systems. And now we are actually have kind of graduated to where we're now starting to manipulate those systems. Uh, but that does bring with it a whole series of challenges, one of which is uh, objective scientific discovery. And I think there's no shortcut that you can take that's still going to require randomized controlled trials. The obligation from a randomized controlled trial in the context of a individualized medicine is that the obligation comes on us as the manufacturers to make sure our processes can be consistent from person to person to person. So if we're gonna make a mesenchymal stem cell for you and for me, we have to make sure that at the end of the day, we're effectively making the same product, even though it started from a different place, that our process is so strong that it produces the same product. Very few examples are yet in existence where it, it's happened. I firmly believe it can happen and it will happen. I think the the strength of the results are so powerful that um, we're going to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's something that I see in your work when, you know, we're at our division meetings and I, I see you working on both of these levels, very individualized, but and also looking at some potentials to really upscale therapies. For a lot of our listeners, again, uh, you know, the, I think cellular therapy, the, the future is definitely bright. Although, like you're saying, it's, it's not, um, you know, every hospital doesn't have their own cell therapy lab, like they have their own blood bank at this point in time. But, you know, uh, for our listeners who might be students or other clinicians and our laboratory medicine uh, folks, how can they get involved in cellular therapy? Or how do you recommend those first steps to learn more about this field and how they might uh, intersect with it? It's kind of hard because it's so new. There are no majors. You know, you can't major in the program. Um, there are very, very few uh uh, graduate programs in the country that are available. Mayo Clinic, uh, we established with my colleague, Dr. Jacob, uh, one of the first cell therapy fellowships in the country. Um, so we're starting to, uh, to develop some of those programs where people can spend really dedicated time into it. We are trying to also branch out and put together other programs. Um, so I would ask our listeners to stay tuned. There's so much interest out there that we are going to try to put together a more formalized educational program to enable people to help use us, right? To help their practice or whatever they're doing um, to use us as a resource to actually accelerate it. Well, there's one society that if you wanna get involved with called the International Society of Cellular Therapy, that's a fantastic organization that is agnostic towards individual indications, but is really interested in these ideas of how do we move these approaches towards a much more broader audience. And then reach out, read. Uh, it, it's one of those areas that's uh, rel so new that I think it is, I acknowledge it's hard to get access to that information, but I think it's going to grow and there will be opportunities in the not too distant future. I agree with you. And I think it's so exciting, the, the sort of design thinking and the different ways of thinking and approaching problems that, that you're doing uh, in your lab and, and leading the field. So thank you so much for, for joining and, and talking with us, Dr. Dietz. My pleasure, Dr. Kreuter. Thank you for having me.
We've been rounding with Dr. Dietz talking about cellular therapy's uh, response to COVID-19 and, and getting a little bit of understanding about what the field of cellular therapy is and how it works. Thanks for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and suggestions via email. Please direct any suggestions to mcleducation at mayo.edu and reference this podcast. If you've enjoyed Lab Medicine Rounds, please subscribe. Until our next rounds together, we encourage you to continue to connect lab medicine and the clinical practice through insightful conversations. Mm -hmm.